What's going on, everybody? The uh, following audio you're going to hear is from a presentation I did with a church uh, probably about five years ago, and it's on the topic of disabilities and spirituality and how uh, we in church settings can be more inclusive of those with disabilities. Uh, so I will leave you for, to that. And if you like it, uh, please share it and subscribe it and all that good stuff. So I will talk to you guys later. excited tonight to have Brian Evans with us. Brian and I have been communicating for several months to try to find a, an avenue that would be uh, good for him to be with us and make a presentation that he's uh, very uh, enthusiastic about, one that he's become uh, very uh, specialized in talking about, you might say. He's currently living and working in Abilene and working on a master's degree in marriage and family, family therapy, but he's from Frisco and has attended the uh, Frisco Church of Christ, but uh, as you can see, Brian's been in a wheelchair uh, and been in that wheelchair most of his life, and through his personal experience and education, his current ministry, his future ministry plans, uh, Brian has developed uh, a material that I think is very valuable and important to, uh, to churches and to us in ministry and wanting to uh, serve others. Tonight, we're going to hear a message from him that is designed to educate uh, uh, people with disabilities on how to serve, but also uh, for most of us here tonight to inform us, the majority of, of us, of what we can be doing to enhance the opportunities uh, for those with some form of uh, disability. So, well, Brian, we'll turn it over to you. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Good evening. How's everybody doing tonight? Doing all right? Good. Well, I first want to say thank you for the uh, McDermott Road Church of Christ to having me out tonight. This is, uh, like Mark said, a topic that is very passionate, uh, that I'm very passionate about. That's also a topic I think that is uh, not very widely spoken about within religious circles. And uh, we'll get to what I think for those reasons are later on. Um, let me uh, start off by telling you a little bit about myself and... Uh, Mark mentioned that, yes, I did graduate uh, from Abilene Christian University. Let's back up a little bit, though. And uh, I was born, actually, in Houston, Texas, with uh, a birth defect called spina bifida, which I um, would rather not uh, spend a whole lot of time talking about. Uh, suffice it to say that I was born uh, unable to walk and have not been able to walk since. And the journey that God has put me uh, on uh, through my disability and showing me who he is and who I am and what I'm capable of is a large reason uh, why I've started presentations like this. And <clears throat> honestly, the journey is just starting for me as far as this ministry goes, but I'm very encouraged and very ex honestly excited about where this is going. So, uh, to start off, I'd like to sh show a few statistics, uh, and then we'll get to the more meat of uh, my lesson. 
because honestly, I kind of think statistics are boring. I just graduated uh, from ACU in December, and uh, the school stuff to me is just, I'd much rather do the relationship side. So let's get through these and uh, to show you the formation of why I'm doing this, to show you the need of it as to why um, I think this is an important thing that the church is honestly kind of missing the ball on. And as you can see, uh, as of a study that was done in 2011, and this is really the, honestly the, the most current statistics I could find, and it, it says that uh, roughly a fourth to a fifth, uh, both uh, in Texas and in America, uh, nationwide, showed uh, having a disability. Now, I'm not familiar with the current population of Plano, um, but suffice it to say that it's several thousand people just within this community that are affected by disabilities. Um, and here we'll see that a survey that has been done by the Kessler Foundation, which does various surveys and research uh, on spiritual different topics, has shown that uh, people with disabilities are attending a church function at a much less rate than their able-bodied counterparts. And so, uh, what got me really into that is I actually have seen that in my own life. I've encountered congregations that want to do something but don't know what to do. And because they don't know what to do, they don't do anything, which is not helpful at all. So I developed a program like this to kind of help congregations and, and people with disabilities like Mark was saying, get connected and uh, become a place where everyone can use their abilities uh, to further God's kingdom. And uh, once I found those statistics, I actually wanted to go and see if you know real people were encountering this. So I took to the most uh, official and uh, precise research tool that there is, which is Facebook, and just posted on a disability group that I'm a part of and says, here's what I found is it, you know, what y'all are facing as well. And I got these two specific responses that were virtually the same in completely opposite parts of the world, and they both had no idea that they were going to give the same response. And so that was interesting to me. Okay, and um, now we're getting into the more uh, substantial things that I'd like to spend more time on, which is the biblical uh, findings of, of disability and how disabilities play roles in people's lives. Because uh, like I was saying, I think churches would like to do something to better this situation, but they don't know where to start. And, and I've... Um, come up with a few places that we can look at, such as uh, John 9, when uh, the blind man uh, and his uh, associates approach Jesus and, and say, who sinned, uh, who, who messed up to make this man blind? And notice Jesus' response here. He, he says, nobody is at fault for this. And for a long time in, in my life, and 
in the lives of people that I know who have disabilities, they feel currently or have felt at one point that something is wrong with them and that because they can't do X, Y, or Z or don't uh, have X, Y, or Z, that they're un unvaluable and, and can't be beneficial in their communities, in their churches, and that kind of thing. And that's just not true. The Bible is very explicit, and, and we'll look at this later on as well, that everyone has gifts, regardless of your socionomical, uh, socionomical status, your uh, sexual affiliation, your uh, religious affiliation, uh, everyone has, has got gifts that God has given them. And so that's one of the aspects I try to tackle in the ministry that I'm doing uh, from, the, uh, from the aspect of people with disabilities is to try and really get them on board with the fact that they do actually have gifts. Because like I said, not a lot of people with disabilities uh, believe that. And so that's definitely one, uh, one uh, hurdle that people with disabilities are facing is, is they just don't feel like they have gifts that are worth giving. And so that's um, one thing that uh, I hope to accomplish, that churches would um, be able to break down those barriers and get people with disabilities more involved and more feeling like they're wanted and needed, really. Because I, I do believe the church needs people with disabilities just as much as people with disabilities need the church. And for many churches, it's that they see the disabled population and they see it as a group of people that need to be ministered to. Whereas I think that's great, I only think it's half the equation though. Because like I was mentioning, people with disabilities have gifts that can benefit the church greatly. And until the church becomes comfortable with that, these gifts are being virtually untapped. And notice this, uh, this verse from 2 Corinthians, no, 1 Corinthians, I believe, um, where he's talking about banquets. And really, it's, it's not a passage you would think would have a disability connotation to it, but if you look at it, it really does. And he says... Uh, he gives a list of people who um, he says not to invite because those kind of people you would expect to be repaid from. Now notice that he says being repaid and then when we move on in the passage he gives the uh, instruction to invite the poor, the blind, the crippled, the uh, uh, people facing other forms of disabilities and then he makes the uh, uh, I just lost my train of thought. He just makes the uh, statement that they will be blessed. Notice that difference between re being repaid and being blessed. I, you know, I feel that we live in a society that we do something for somebody and we want them to do something for us. It's a lot of times it's human nature to want to be that way. But God says, you know, 
that's not the way it always needs to be. And there needs to be a shift of focus to a certain extent. Now notice this passage from Second Corinthians, or First Corinthians 12, I'm sorry. It says, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would, make it, that would not make it any part, less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I am not part of the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. What I think we are seeing with uh, people who are experiencing disabilities of various forms, as uh, we've seen research shown and we've seen uh, real life examples of, is that people with disabilities aren't really feeling like they're part of the body. And really, all people want with, with disabilities want what everyone wants, and that's to be loved, respected, accepted, included. And a lot of times, people unknowingly say something hurtful, and it can affect that person greatly. And so we see a need for a change of perception of what the disabled community is capable of. And how do we do that? With things like this. This is a graph that has come up from the Elam Christian Services organization who do different resources for congregations like this. Not necessarily all about disabilities, but it is Definitely uh, one aspect that they try to tackle. Now, just a quick poll of the audience. Uh, who thinks that most people, both in and outside of the church, would fall under stage one in, as far as their attitudes uh, towards disabilities? Okay, a few. How about stage two? Okay, a few more. How about stage three? Okay, a few more. How about stage four, friendship? Okay, a few less. How about stage five, co-laborers? A few, okay. What the research has shown is that most people fall somewhere between stage two and stage three. Is that they sometimes feel that, you know, thankful that I'm not that way and that I want to help people with disabilities or... I care, but I don't know what to do, and I just hope that there's somebody out there that can do something. And what we see here is um, that the ideal would be to be at stage five, to be co-laborers, to be working hand in hand uh, to further God's kingdom. And, uh, but like I said, that's an ideal world. That's a, definitely a place we can work to. So the next uh, portion of this uh, presentation I've developed uh, a few uh, pointers, I guess you would say. As I call them disability etiquette, don't, do's and don'ts. And they're really, honestly, um, just basic relationship 101, in my opinion, of uh, loving your neighbor as yourself, being treated as you'd like to be treated, that kind of thing. And 
the biggest thing and the reason I started out with this first bullet point, thinking before you speaking, is because I think if you can uh, achieve that, a lot of the other th issues will fall into place. And, and so, and also, you don't want to be patronizing to the point where it alienates a person with a disability. A lot of times I uh, come across people with disabilities who feel like they're being talked to as a child and it's, like I said, it's alienating to them that they want to not be a part of that group because of the way they're treated. And one of the biggest things you can also uh, do to help this situation is to remember that it's, a, it's not a disability, it's a person. They are a person, he, she is a person. And just being courteous, offering to shake their hand, or maybe if they um, have limb deformations or uh, such other things, um, patting them on the back, uh, you know, touching their shoulder, that kind of thing, is uh, a definitely a step in the right direction uh, to being more hospitality uh, motivated. Uh, towards people with disabilities. And really making uh, eye contact. That's one big thing that I'm not great at, but I'm better at it than I was because I've been working at it very hard, is making eye contact with somebody when I'm speaking to them. No matter what, what they have going on, if they're deaf, blind. I have a friend uh, named Alex who is a stutterer. And... I always make an effort to, one, make eye contact, and two, always act like I'm engaged in the conversation with them. Even though it may seem like his speech is a struggle, always trying to maintain eye contact and act like you're actively engaging in the conversation uh, works wonders with people with disabilities. And <laughs> this last point, uh, not apologizing kind of makes me laugh because it's kind of a running joke in my family, especially with my mom, <laughs> how uh, she uh, just pokes fun at me for, for that kind of thing just because we have that kind of relationship. And we'll talk about this later on. Uh, having a deep, meaningful relationship with somebody, uh, it really can mean the difference between being funny and making that uh, relationship closer or alienating that person. Because there's something to be said about being able to joke about someone's disability and having a relationship that's good enough to do that and just doing it out of the blue. Because I'll be honest with you, if you do it with me just out of the blue, I'm probably never gonna talk to you again. But I have friends um, and family that do that with me because I've had time to build that bond and really um, make that connection. <laughs> I just I keep thinking of stories with my mom when uh, she would do things like that. Like for instance, I was on campus, this was a couple years ago, I was on campus at ACU and uh, she was working in the alumni office at the time and. <laughs> she 
was driving down the street that parallels campus, and she saw another uh, student who was at ACU, was also wheelchair-bound, who um, looked an awful lot like me. And she leans out a window and says, hey, old man, get out of the middle of the road. And it turned out not to be me. <laughs> and she texted messaged me the, later on that day, and she says, uh, I kind of yelled at somebody that thought it was you, and it wasn't you. And uh, she doesn't do that anymore. She makes sure it's me. Um, so it's just, and that's one thing about my life. I've always learned, uh, most of the time, not all the time, to uh, not take things so seriously and to make jokes like that, which I still laugh at today. And um, I'll, I'll get in a couple other stories later on about um, that are used to illustrate disability etiquette. Um, that just turned out to end up be funny in my life. And one thing, especially with one, uh, one person I know back in Abilene who has a service dog, I think that people don't always realize that service dogs aren't always pets, which they're not. And when you see a person with a dog on a harness, nine times out of 10, especially if it's labeled, um, is going to be working and that dog has got a job to do and it is distracting and can sometimes be harmful if uh, that dog is attempted to be played with. So that's one thing I would suggest uh, to try and stay away from. And also, um, if you've got somebody that you're including in a function, um, really doesn't have to be uh, could be just going out to eat. Try and be mindful of where things are and what accessibility issues that people may face. And for the church leaders that are here tonight, I, I have faced this with life groups that meet in people's homes. I personally have faced this that where I had one instance where I had a home that I couldn't get into very easily and it kind of made me want to shy away and be more I guess question things more about where things were what I felt comfortable with because honestly it was an awkward situation and so just being mindful of where your surroundings are and how that plays a part in the life of a person with a disability can be huge in that life uh, of that person. So now we're going to break this down a little bit more and go into some speech etiquette, some visible uh, vision, uh, disability etiquette, and also some wheelchair etiquette as well. And one of the things that I get from my friend Alex, who I, I said is uh, has a uh, stuttering disability. He says that a lot of times people, because he stutters, people will think that he is mentally incompetent because he can't speak very well. And he's actually gone to the trouble of actually doing research and has shown that people who stutter, some, a lot of times will be shown to have the highest IQs. So I think not assuming, not just 
here in this section of the presentation, but with disabilities in general, assuming never does anybody any good. And like I was mentioning how I like to be attentive with my friend Alex and people who are, have uh, speech impairments in general, uh, being attentive and acting, actually engaging in the conversation and showing that you're, you know, wanting to be, uh, wanting to be their friend, really, uh, can work wonders in that person's life. And uh, with people with uh, speech uh, disabilities, uh, crowded rooms can come crowded, noisy rooms can become problematic. So if you're finding that it's hard to have the conversation going, try and maybe find a quieter place to talk to where you can really understand what they're saying and then you can have an actual uh, meaningful conversation with them. And the biggest thing, the hands down number one that I, that I get uh, when I talk to people who have uh, a speech disability is they really don't like to be corrected or when people try and finish their sentences. One of the things that I've learned to do uh, is just wait and let them talk it out. And a lot of the, with the family studies degree that I have, a lot of the classes that I took were counseling-based classes. And one of the biggest things that I've, I learned uh, right off the bat was in a counseling type setting is to be okay with silence. And that, in, in these kind of situations, um, can be okay and can be really beneficial as well. How are we doing on time? How are we doing on time? How are we doing on time? Okay. Well, then we're going to be here all night. All right, let's move on to wheelchair etiquette, which this, as you can probably tell, is uh, kind of important to me. <laughs> and uh, kind of going back to what I was saying as to not assuming what people can and can't do, along those lines, I think it's beneficial to not always assume that people need a wheelchair all the time. Sometimes they just need it if they're going long distances or if you know they may be not feeling well that day and aren't able to be as mobile as they normally would be. So assuming that um, they can do um, more than what meets the eye, I guess is a good way to put it, um, is a good rule of thumb here. And, and uh, one thing that people, if you're around me long enough, will, will learn is that I really don't like when people offer assistance right off the bat, and this has been found to be the case across the board, really, uh, with people who are, are wheelchair-bound uh, or hard-headed like I am. And uh, so not always trying to go out of your way to offer assistance to a person with a disability, no matter uh, what they may be trying to do, is definitely helpful. Now, it's, it's one thing to see a person struggling to do something and then trying to step in and maybe help them, because at that point, they may actually need help. But 
uh, I guess the what I'm trying to point out here is don't be so quick to jump the gun and really um, make them feel, because really uh, sometimes what that'll do is that it makes it feel like they can't do it on their own, when a lot of times they can. So giving them the chance uh, to do that is really uh, what will benefit them the most. And uh, getting down on a person with a disabilities level, I've, I've noticed back at my home congregation, uh, Hillcrest in, in Abilene, I've got a, uh, he's actually one of the elders there, uh, named Dave, has been a, a good friend of mine and a good mentor uh, as I'm setting up my uh, ministry. He always, and, and I appreciate that he does it, he always, whenever he has the opportunity, tries to take the opportunity to get down on my level, whether it's um, sitting in a chair, most of the time it's sitting in a chair, or just whatever he can do to get make better eye contact. And that's, uh, in my opinion, very important uh, to me and as well as um, to others as well. <laughs> this is another, the second point's another one that makes me laugh because I have a funny story that goes with it. Um, a, pers uh, a person's wheelchair is their personal space and it is considered rude or uh, at the very least impolite to hang on it and grab it without permission. And the reason that makes me laugh is because I can remember a time I was actually a, a freshman at Frisco High and we had a fire drill. And of course, you know, I'm just file, single file down the line. Well, it wasn't really single file. It was just everybody just went. Um, and so we're all in a kind of mob going down the hallway trying to get out of the building and my friend Rusty comes up behind me and is essentially going to try to ride the back of my chair. And I think you can see where this is going. <laughs> and puts his feet on the axle of my chair and grabs onto the handlebars and what do you think happened? Yeah. Next thing I know, I'm sitting there sh looking straight up at the lights. And he kind of steps over me and says, I shouldn't have done that. I said, no, you shouldn't have. <laughs> and so it's just things like that. When, and, and kids will do this, and it's okay. Um, but using that as a teachable moment um, is definitely key. Um, that that's not always beneficial to a person in a wheelchair to grab them or uh, try to ride them like my friend Rusty did. <laughs> and really, this is one of the major points. And if, if you leave with nothing else here tonight, I want you to leave with this last bullet point on this slide, because it really applies to disabilities across the board, and that is that disabilities are not tragedies. Yes, they're life-altering. Yes, there honestly is a period of mourning that goes on in the life of a person with a disability because there's stuff that they're missing out on. But disability is part of my story. It's not all of my story, and it's not all of your story if you have a disability. And so being able to see the whole picture of a person's life 
and not just the disability is absolutely crucial in the life of that person. Because if, like I said at, uh, earlier in this presentation, if we can see them as a person first, then we can begin to see what they're capable of, what their gifts are, how they can benefit their society and their kingdom of God. And that's really uh, the crux of this presentation tonight is if we can begin to see people as people all the time, then uh, walls will come down and the kingdom of God will benefit. Okay, let's move on to hearing disability. And uh, I've got a friend who is a very good mentor of mine who uh, had a, had, was working with a, dis, uh, a deaf ministry, uh, a ministry um, at a congregation in uh, Abilene. And he would tell me stories about how people would, people who are hearing impaired at that congregation would be shouted at, would have people talk to them in a raised voice. And it did virtually no good because, well, obviously they can't hear it. <laughs> but um, a lot of times what people with, dis or people with hearing impairments will do is read lips, not even pay attention uh, to the tone or uh, the intensity of the uh, voices that are uh, speaking to them. And uh, speaking clearly is, is important. And because uh, there's going to be times where if you're talking to somebody who has a hearing impairment, they're going to ask you to repeat yourself. And to deny them that repeat is insulting. And uh, sometimes will make the person who is hearing impaired make, it, make them feel like they're not worthy of response, which is not good. And this last point, um, going back to what I was saying about the uh, reading lips, this last point is, is crucial in that, and that is to not talk with your hands on your face, or uh, if you smoke cigarettes, not to try and talk with the cigarette or, or toothpick or, or whatnot in your mouth, uh, because it hinders... Uh, the, the hearing-impaired persons hinders their understanding of what you're saying. Okay, let's move on to visual disabilities. And when you're working with somebody that has a visual impairment, it is often polite to uh, inform them who they're with uh, when new situations come up, saying, I'm with so-and-so, and, -so, and uh, standing next to me is so-and-so. Uh, is definitely helpful to a person to uh, know who they're with. I mean, think about it. If, if you as a person uh, were, in, uh, were in this situation, would you not want to know who you were with? I think most people would. And really, um, if you're out, like say at a restaurant, describing what's on the menu and uh, helping them make their choice in that direction, um, uh, can really help as well. And I, I see this a lot. Um, you, you tend to see it a lot in the older generations of uh, people who can't walk very well, but a lot of times as people get older, they can't see very well either. 
So a lot of times they'll need somebody to take their arm and really offer some assistance in that area, just helping them get from one place to another. So in closing, I want to leave you with this passage because I think it's a very, very powerful passage. If you'll remember at the end of uh, Exodus chapter 3, we have Moses at the burning bush and Jesus is talking to him. And we see there that Moses uh, gives us that whole laundry list of why I can't do this, why I can't do that. God, I'm not good enough. Send somebody else. And I love uh, God's response to him when uh, he makes the claim that I, uh, he says, I am not a very good uh, speaker. And really this passage has been incredibly instrumental in my walk of faith because when I got to this point in my life, whenever I was paying close attention to things uh, that this passage was saying, it's really whenever I began to feel a sense of purpose and to know that God gave me a disability, but like I said, it's part of my story and not all of my story. And so I leave you with this uh, saying that uh, God uses whatever situation you're in to bring glory to his kingdom. And I hope that you have benefited from uh, this kind of topic, and I really hope that this is kind of conversations that churches will have a lot more often because I think it's needed. Like I said, there's a desire out there, but there's not a lot of knowledge as to what to do. So I definitely hope this has been beneficial. I've definitely enjoyed being here. I want to thank you again, and uh, let me close with the prayer, and then uh, the lesson will be yours. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you uh, so much for the body of Christ here at McDermott Road and for uh, what they stand for as far as being an inclusive church father and wanting to do uh, the right things in stepping towards being uh, a complete kingdom, Father, a, a complete body of Christ, like you mentioned in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And Father, I just pray that we would uh, step out of our comfort zones in a lot of ways, Father, and be willing to say the wrong things and be willing to have conversations and have relationships with people that are different than we are, Father. And I just pray that you would uh, open our hearts and our minds to what you are doing in the lives of people with disabilities and how they can be used to your service, Father. Father, I thank you for this day that you uh, did not promise to us, but you gave it to us anyway. And uh, it's in your son's name that I pray, amen. Thank you for uh, waking us up to some things that we needed to hear. It's very appreciative. Uh,
I see Kevin and Stephanie. Is, is Ryan here too? Okay, not, not yet. But welcome back, uh, Kevin and Stephanie from Estonia. Uh, we're going to have a song. Brian, where are you? Okay. Let's stand and sing together. I heard an old, old story. How sin came from glory. 